It has been an amazing few weeks here at Grace Marietta. And uh, the last week we got to dedicate some babies, and now we're celebrating some seniors getting their diplomas. Uh, and it is just amazing to see uh, that these young kids from last week and now these kids going off into this next uh, season has been so exciting. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here this morning to celebrate that. Uh, I just want to remind you, I think we talked about it last week, we are working out the parking lot. I know we're, we have limited spaces, and so we're looking into fixing that. So we will be working on a plan in the next few weeks to, to, to figure that out. And so if you had trouble parking, thanks for being here. Thanks for finding a spot, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to work on that. With these baby dedications and with these seniors getting their diplomas, uh, we want to, as we have been, be continually praying for them. I know when we got to dedicate our kids uh, at some of the other Grace churches, um, we prayed just naturally, and maybe these are the two things that you pray for, is that you pray for our kids to be happy and healthy. When they go off to, to their next phase of life after they're seniors, we're praying that they're happy and healthy. And I remember when we prayed for our first kid to be happy and healthy, Judah, uh, one of my seminary professors was really praying for him, and he said, I know a lot of people pray for the kid to be happy and healthy, and that is good, but also, what if we were to pray that your kid would be holy? And I said, that is a great alliteration, pastor, for giving me three points that start with H, happy, healthy, and holy, uh, but you're right. That is something that I need to recognize, that not only would our kids be happy and healthy, but that they would be holy, set apart, pure, undefiled in this world, unstained as this passage talks about that we're going to read this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at James 1, 26 and 27. And what we're going to look at is what does it look like to have this holy and pure faith? We've been talking about this idea of faith as we've been walking through the book of James. And so for today, we're going to look at what does it look like for people to have holy and pure faith? And not only would we pray for these kids as we've dedicated, as they get in their diplomas, to have a happy, healthy, and just holy life, but even for ourselves, how do we live out this holy faith? How can we have a holy and pure faith? Well, the answer is found in James 1.26. Let's read this together. If anyone thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So right out of the gate, we see three parts. We see this religious idea or this faith idea. And then we see this bridling of the tongue, which we'll get to in a few weeks when we look at James 3. But also this idea of the heart. And just right here out of the gate, James is organizing a thought for us that is helpful for us to live holy lives. And so we see that he's lining it up is that to have a pure faith... You have to have a pure tongue, 
And in order to have a pure tongue, you have to have a pure heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You already see this tie or this connection. That to have a pure faith, you gotta have a pure tongue, but at its root or core, you've gotta have a pure heart. You have to have this heart that is, as we will read, unstained or pure or undefiled as we look at verses uh, 27. And I just want to ask this question. Well, actually, before we even get there, if you're taking notes or you want to write this down, I do think we need to get down to this reality because pure faith is not just about behavior. Because sometimes we can read the book of James and we can say, oh man, this is a bunch of work, 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 but we still need it to be rooted to the true reality of who we are as a human being. And so we see that point number one, that pure faith starts with a pure heart. And so the question I have now is, are we allowing our hearts to be purified? When I read this, I'm like, okay, pure faith, pure tongue, at the core, pure heart. Am I allowing my heart to be purified? Is there someone in my life that I can go to who genuinely cares about me that I can learn from and have a pure heart? Get called out if you will. And, and, and if you think about the Psalms, I think it's Psalms 51, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There's also a verse in Proverbs where it says, burn away the dross or the garbage or the impurities from the silver so that the smith has a vessel that he can work with. And so I had to ask myself the question when I read the text is, am I allowing my heart to be purified? Am I going into it saying, I've got some impurities, I've got some garbage in me, and I need to find someone to actually call these things out within me so that I can become more like Christ? I was hanging around um, this guy in Snellville. His name's Jim Brown. If you're from Snellville, maybe you know the name. And I used to meet with him at Starbucks, and we would talk, and then he would just say these quick-hitting things, like, it's because you're selfish. And I was like, wow, that was strong. I don't know if I want to hang out with you anymore. But as he began to talk about it, I was like, oh, you're completely right. I, I'm being selfish in this moment. And, and some of the other pastors at Snellville would meet with Jim Brown, and we always used to make this running joke. We would go, like back to our homes after we were hanging out with Jim Brown. And for me, one of the things that I was doing was I was upset, and I don't know if you've been recently married and you're, you're, you're wrestling with this reality of how you do the dishes may be different than how your spouse does the dishes. And it can be quite frustrating, just to be honest. It can be quite frustrating for me. But after I was hanging out with Jim Brown, airing out my selfish ways, I go home and I start just doing the dishes. And the 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 wives of the pastors, they would say, oh, you've been with Jim Brown, haven't you? <laughs> it was like, okay, you've been around somebody that has called you out, and now you're living differently. Are you finding that person? Do you have that person in your life? If you don't, just a real practical thing, I would write that down. Who can I trust that genuinely cares about me becoming more like Christ? 
that will talk about the garbage or the impurities or the things that I need cleaned in my life? Who are those people that will help me become more like Christ? Well, the beautiful thing about God is if you don't select somebody, sometimes he will, by his way of redemption, use circumstances or people to help you become more like Christ. I love this illustration because it really did convict me, but it's also a very funny illustration, so I have to just share it. If you think about sand, it acts as an irritant. If you get sand in your eyes, it dries out the water from your eyes. It is pulling out the properties from the eye. It could also scratch up the eye. It could also cause uh, some sort of blindness. But also, that same sand acts as an irritant to an oyster, and it makes a pearl. But because it's pulling on the properties of the oyster. In both situations, they are irritants, but they're pulling out the properties that are within the subject that it's, in act, that it's acting with. Now, some of you are married to irritants. <laughs> Do not look at the person. I didn't say everyone either. I said some, some, some of you are married to irritants. Some of you have one to two to three to four little irritants running around your house. And in that, in that reality, at first you think it is them. With Judah, my son, I, I love talking him up in front of all of you, but now <laughs> there are times where he is frustrating. There is times where he is all over the place and I'm like helicopter dad and I'm like, hey, you know, we're here hanging out at Waffle House. Like, I need you to get it together, buddy. You're all over the place. You're distracting other people. You're, he's just being a four-year-old and what I'm doing is I'm raising my voice because maybe if I raise my voice, it will control him and get him to calm down. He's acting as an irritant to me. But the reality of what he's really doing, this is how God uses our children and even our spouse and our friends, brother, sister, you name it, is he is actually pulling out something in me that is not good. If I'm having to raise my voice to control my son, there is something of garbage in me that has to come out. There's some struggle of impatience or maybe I've got an approval issue in this Waffle House, like I want everyone to like me at the Waffle House. I don't know. But there's something in me that I feel irritated, but the reality is it's not Judah, it's my impure heart coming out by raising my voice. And so if you don't have somebody that is helping you be called out, recognize where God is at work in you right now with the people around you. Who are the people that may, you may think are irritating you? And when you think about those scenarios or those conversations, begin looking at, oh God, what in me is not of you? What in me is not glorifying and pleasing to you because I want to glorify you. I want to be like you. What are those things in us? that are not of pure heart. Now we see this reality that the pure faith starts with a creating a pure heart, but now there's something else. Let's keep reading. James 1:27 it says religion that is pure. There it is. 
and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To talk about a a selfless way of living, a, a pure faith. If it starts with creating a pure heart, how do we know if we're living out this pure heart reality? Well, very plainly, it's saying, care for the widows and the orphans in their affliction. Now, this is not only literally caring for widows and orphans in their affliction, but this is a representation of a great group of people in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you see that God is saying, the ones who are my representatives are the ones who are showing that I am the father to the fatherless. You can think about so many different phrases. We're actually going to read one in Isaiah in just a minute. If there's things that are unjust, if there are things that are evil, they are my representation to remove the evil, remove the injustice, care for the needy, those who are in need. But more than that, if you dive a little further, it's caring for the widows and the orphans, it's caring for those in need. But in this culture, it is caring for the ones who have been counted out. If you actually look in the Old Testament and if you look through even this passage, that there is a culture that says, okay, these people can't give me what I need And so therefore, I'm counting them out. And and James is saying, no, as followers of Jesus with a pure heart, living out their pure faith, care for the counted out. And so another question I have for you this morning, just very practically, is who around you is counted out? Who is in great need? Who in your community, your neighborhood, your work, at school, who is counted out who is who has been neglected because we see here that a pure faith not only starts with creating a pure heart but a pure faith cares for the counted out now i'm relatively new here to this church but as i've been having conversations i was like wow this church there are people in this church who are caring for the counted out and i didn't even know this was happening they got things going on on Saturdays, we got things going on on Sundays, Mondays and Tuesdays. I didn't even know what was happening, but there is so much that there are people in this church who have been caring for the counted out that I, I wanted us all to hear about it. And so I'm gonna welcome up Jeff McCoy, give him a round of applause. Jeff's gonna come up and tell us a little bit more about this. Is yours? No, (laughs) you're good. Thanks for giving me a topic at lunch about irritation with my wife today. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right, right after service, you guys can talk about it. (laughs) So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do here, uh, how long you've been going to this church. Sure. All of that. So, I am married to the lovely Ginger in the green dress, who's really glaring at me now. We've been attending Grace for, I think, right around five years. Um, I've been on the board for two and recently stepped into the treasurer role. Um, Also have the the joy of um, focusing on benevolence, community outreach for the church along with with Ginger. We've been doing that uh, for the last two years or so. 
Yeah. So uh, we are raising four daughters together, so prayer's my direction. <laughs> Girl, dad, I'd appreciate it. I think two of them might be getting tattoos together right now. So uh, that's there concerning. you go. <laughs> yeah, so. That's um, awesome. That's me. That's us. That's amazing. Well, tell us a little bit, I mean, if we're maybe new here to the church, maybe been here in the last year or so, what are some of the things that we do here at Grace Marietta when it comes to outreach in the community as well as in the benevolence world? Sure. I'm really happy to have this opportunity to tell this story, um, but we are blessed as a church, both with people who want to step up, volunteer also uh, with their funds. You know, we set aside a certain percentage of the church budget for benevolence, and that can mean different things. Uh, we have people who knock on our door that need help making a rent payment, getting a car repair, and we have a process to go through that and to help them in those times of need. A few years ago, uh, the board and members of the church really sat down and thought about what do we want to do in our community. And uh, at that point, we decided we want to be local. We want to work with smaller charities that are close to the ground, right, where they're out there serving people. And so from those discussions, we identified uh, two local charities where we're spending a lot of time and are giving. Uh, the first one is uh, Table on Delk, which serves women and their children that are caught up in uh, sex trafficking along the Delk Quarter, a lot of um, uh, extended stay hotels in that area. And what we do for them, there you go, we uh, pack lunch bags for the kids during the summer when they're out of school, right? They're out of school, so there's no school meals. And so we do that from time to time. Um, yeah, if you can spread peanut butter, come find us. We'll, uh, we'll give you a job. Um, and so that's ongoing. And then the other thing we do is Simple Needs Georgia. And I don't know if some of you may be familiar with that, but it's the name of the organization is what it is. Uh, they provide furniture, donated furniture, to families that are coming out of shelters uh, into their first apartment. And so on the third Saturday of every month, which was yesterday, which means I'm tired and I see some other tired people, <laughs> we move furniture into apartments. So imagine me with the couch. Um, somebody donated a California King mattress yesterday. <laughs> Don't do that. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but what that looks like is we'll walk into an apartment, and nine times out of ten, it's a single mom with two or three kids running around the apartment, and all the belongings are in garbage bags or laid out on the floor. And they're sleeping on the floor, or if they're lucky, they have an air mattress. And we come in, and we bring beds, bunk beds, uh, microwaves, bucket of cleaning materials. Um, and so for, for me, we're really helping the, the needy right there. And so that's a, that's a big one for us. Other things we do is from time to time, we'll do food drives here for food pantries at Wheeler High School, East Cobb Middle School. Um, and we'll also do food drives to help with the packing of lunches that we do for um, the table on Delk. Um, yeah. That's it. It's awesome. We do other stuff, but that's the biggies. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and how can we begin to get involved if we want to get involved in that or maybe even other potential things that are, are in the future? Yeah, um, if you want to get involved, 
There's a couple of ways. You can reach out by email to the main church email and just say, hey, I want, I want to get involved. Uh, the other thing you can do is um, there's a, on the back with the Kingdom Community cards, there's the Compassion Community. Um, you can take that. There's an email address. Uh, that is the Kingdom Community that Ginger and I coordinate. But it's different than the other Kingdom Communities. We're really a clearinghouse for volunteering for these organizations. Mm -hmm. So email us, and we'll put you on the email distribution list. I think we have over 40 people now that are getting a regular email saying, hey, this is coming up. If you want to volunteer, just let us know. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. One other thing I'd love to share. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I see Caitlin here in the middle. We had a meeting a month or two ago, and big, big projects gonna, that's going to require a lot of support from everybody and every pew is there's a group called Family Promise. And Family Promise is, oh gosh, I think it's 13 Cobb County churches. And the name is what it is. They promise to keep homeless families together, husband, wife, kids. And these families will rotate to each of those 13 churches. And so what we're gearing up for is one week out of the quarter, We'll have three to four families in our home, in this church, for a week. And we'll need to provide meals, dinner. We'll need to provide quick takeaway breakfasts. We have the opportunity to spend time with these families um, after work. Um, we help with laundry. We really treat them as guests in our home, just as you would treat a family visiting your home. So... Caitlin uh, shared that need with us, and we're acting on it, and uh, super, super excited to have people that we can get to know. And, um, you know, I think the number I saw, uh, Family Promise had 700 applications from families in need, and they can only really manage about 20. Wow. So, uh, so much need in our community, but we're geared up to uh, address it. Yeah. Jeff, will you pray uh, for those those areas that you just named, kind of the table on Delk and even family promise to Absolutely. all this. Yeah, yeah, do that. Heavenly Father, you're a giving God. You've given us so much in the way of gifts of just our ability, our physical ability to carry couches all the way to um, serving people who are so desperately in need and not only in need of, of, you know, the gift of money or things, but the gift of a God bless and have a great day and just encouragement and, and help us to have the awareness of those around us and, and continue to bless simple needs and the great work that organization does as well as Table on Dell with fighting uh, sexual tra trafficking and, and let us you know, be the body of, of Christ that you call us to be and reading through the book of James today. And, and Father, again, we just thank you for all your many gifts and, and just give us the guidance to, to move forward in this community. Amen. 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 Let's give a round of applause for Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Good. We wanted to give those opportunities to you to, to show you that there are avenues for you to participate, but we feel this conviction just after reading this text. It's like, okay, this is not just you know a couple of us in the room. It's if we're called as followers of Christ to follow him in everything, it is to care for those who have been counted out. 
And so if you don't have something, we have something for you here at this church. But we also ask that by uh, his spirit that you would see something illuminated to you to say, hey, there are these people of need in my life. There's these people of neglect in my life, and I want to step into that. You can also, again, if you have questions about those things, you can talk to Jeff in the back. But we also are going to make space at the end of this time uh, for you to receive prayer and say, hey, I've got this conviction to help some people, but I don't know how to get this thing started, and we want to start with, with prayer for that. Now, we're not done with the passage here. There's a little a kind of addendum here at the end that I want us to read. It says this in James 1:27. care for the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is such an odd thing for James to bring up. This, is, this seems strange to me in my logical brain uh, of why in the world has he gone from, you know, this pure heart idea, now caring for people idea, and then it feels like he's going back to myself and say, and remain unstained. It's like, okay, I thought it was like, okay, I care for my heart, now I'm going to go care for the world. I care for my, and, but there's this little piece at the end that says, and keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, James is actually pulling from another passage, and so I want to go there to end our time this morning in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 1, verse 16 and 17. It's in the Old Testament. I'll give you time to go there. It'll also be up on the screen as well. Isaiah 1, 16 and 17 sounds awfully familiar with the passages we've been reading in James. Here it is. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Now here's the, the action of justice and righteousness in the second piece. And cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. So James is pulling on this passage right here, and he is saying, wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove yourself, but also begin acting. Make things right again. Actively make things right. Care for those that have been counted out. But really, what's happened to the people of God at this point is that they no longer are caring for these needy areas. They have decided to move with the culture. And not only that, some of them have said, you know what, instead of actually caring for what's going on in our world, the best idea for us to remain unstained is not get involved at all. We don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to get, you know, into the politics of it. I don't want to get into the, the, the uh, inconveniences of it, and so I'm going to remove myself. Well, that's what was happening to the people of God. They were doing two things that were not of him, and that was they were removing themselves from the culture, or they were kind of just going along with the flow. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's neglect those people as well, and let's just keep on going. But... God, and we even see it through James, is he is saying, no, I want you to interact with culture and remain unstained. Be in the world, but not of the world. More specifically, and this is point number three, that the pure faith actually changes the culture that it's in. It doesn't concede to it, just like, oh, give in. This is just the way life is gonna be. It's gonna be just like this, and we just gotta get to when we can retire 
and we go to heaven when we die. Or it's also not like checking out from the culture, like, oh, everything is bad. Yes, it's bad. You know, it's, it's all going down the drain and we are removed from it. No, pure faith actually changes the culture. The way I like to think about it is like a river. And if we are to be called like rocks, there are these uh, rocks, if you will, let's say the idea of like a pebble that just goes with the stream of culture or the current of the culture. Then there's also these rocks that are on the side of the river that just kind of let the river go. But then there is a third rock, which actually is right in the middle of the river and changes the current of the culture. And James in this passage, and I even think Isaiah is hitting on this as well, is that we would be like rocks in the river. When the culture is heading one way, we're transforming it, we're changing it. If someone's being neglected, nope, we're gonna care for them. If instead of saying everything is going bad here in East Cobb and let's just let things just unfold themselves, no, we're gonna be a rock in the river of East Cobb and we're gonna change the culture. We're called into that reality. But he ends with this, and I'm gonna have the band come on up. And this goes back to my first point. Let's read verse 18 together as we move into worship. So he's saying, wash yourselves, care for those in distress. And then he has another thing. He does it again, just like James does in verse 18. It's talking about us in the beginning. We're stained. Here's the world. Care for the world. And now it's back to us again. It says, come now. Let us reason together or gather together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, you've been stained or impure. They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. I think this passage is amazing to end with when it talks about caring for the widow and the orphan, the oppressed, bringing justice, doing good. And it ends with this reality at the end here. So now let us come gather with the Lord. And then he gets to the heart and he says, though your sins are like scarlet, you will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, that word crimson, means double dyed. That's actually the exact translation. Is that in the fabric of your own being, the sins that you commit are not just exterior, but there's something going on in the heart into your own fabric of who you are. That sin is trying to make its way inside your own heart. And even though you've been double dyed, you will become like wool. I can't help but think of that song, Jesus Paid It All, if you've you've ever heard of that song. But it says, sin has left a crimson stain, but he has washed us white as snow. He has made us white as wool. I don't know if you've been thinking about maybe going through the book of James and and maybe you're feeling hard on yourself this morning or or hard on yourself the last few weeks of like, oh my goodness, James is really calling me to a lot of stuff here that I gotta really step into. 
Maybe you're feeling some of that conviction this morning. Well, I want you to know that Jesus has come to give you this pure, clean start. I don't know if, I don't know, there's some of you in the room that need a clean start this morning. Some of you are like, man, I'm in deep. I feel double dyed. I feel like I've got some sin in my heart, in my life, and it is just all over the place. I can't help but see it everywhere I go. Jesus is saying, hey, there is a clean start for you. And for some of us, another group of people are like, I'm feeling pretty good. I've got it all together. I think, I think there's, you know, I think I've kind of, maybe there's this thought of, you know, I've arrived, I've hit my peak. Well, I want you to know that Christ also has more for you this morning. So I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're like, man, I just, I'm so deep in it. There's something new for you. Maybe you feel like you've hit your peak and you hit your stride and the Christian faith. Well, guess what? There is more for you this morning. And I wanna pray into that as we move into a time of worship. And listen, this song, sometimes I don't like singing it, if I'm just gonna be honest. I actually like the song, I picked it, so it's not on anyone's fault on the, on the stage. <laughs> but sometimes I don't like singing it because it is calling me to something more. It's this song called Refiner, and if you've heard of it, it's basically saying, I, I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice and I want you to burn up the garbage that's within me. And there's two dangers to that reality if you actually sing the words and actually feel it or sense it in your heart that something is growing inside of you. There's two dangers. One, the things that you idolize will be burned up. The things that you may be holding on to may be gone. And the other danger is that repentance begins to happen within not only the individual but the community and revival breaks out in East Cobb. That's the other part of the danger <laughs> is that if we actually are like, Lord, we are offering our whole selves to you, burn up anything that is not of your glory. Burn up anything that is not good for you, that is not pleasing to you. And in that, we surrender these things that begin to burn and fall away. And we begin to step in as a people of pure faith or a holy people that is set apart, that's different than the culture that changes the culture. So I wanna kinda of call us into that. And if you, if you feel uncomfortable, like I gotta think about this, that's fine. You don't have to sing if you don't want to. If you need to stay seated, you can. If you need to get prayer, you can do that as well. But if you wanna sing into this reality, just know that there is a cost that needs to be counted. But it is so worth it. Following Christ is the best life because it is helping you live in the way you were meant to be. When you hang around those people that purify you, they are calling you into who you are created to be. They're like, man, you're so good at this. You're so good at this. God sees you as this. And because of that, you can't hold on to this anymore. I have something new for you. I have something more for you, says the Lord. But you gotta let go of this. 
And when we begin to let go of that, not only will we see a holiness grow in us, but it also will spread around us into this community where the widows and the orphans will be cared for. Well, there will be fathers to the fatherless. There will be justice brought in a place that is unjust. There will be goodness instead of evil. Let's pray. Lord, as we move into a time of prayer, as a time of communion in this song, may we see you, Jesus, as the one that makes us white as snow. It's not by our works, it's not by our deeds that makes us pure. It is you that makes us white as snow. And so, Lord, search our hearts. Know our anxious thoughts. If there is anything unpleasing to you, would you remove it from us? We need your help, Jesus. By your spirit, would you draw near to us now? and remove the things that are hurting us. Remove the things that are hurting the ones around us. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. And when we do that, may we see you on the cross. May we see that when your body was broken for us, that you made a way for us. Where there was no way, you made a way. You made a way for us to enter into a holy place with you. That the veil could be torn. And if we feel so stained and maybe guilty or shameful or whatever it may be, Lord, you are looking at us now and saying, I wanna give you a brand new start this morning one that is filled with your grace and your mercy. He says that your mercy is new every morning. Lord, I pray for those who are dying for a new start, that they would look to you, that they would look to you and see that you are filled with grace, that you're the one that has given them that clean slate, that you took on the weight of our sin and our shame and our guilt, and as your blood was poured out for us, may we see that it washes us anew, afresh. And so, Holy Spirit, come now. Wash us afresh.